if we were to analyze our lives, most of our time on this earth, most of our waking hours, are devoted to the pursuit of our livelihoods, earning panosa, going to work. So it would be important to understand and to ask ourselves a question, why do we work? What do we work for? Amazingly, there are those who think that we work to make money. There are people who have that idea. There's still a flat earth society out there too. There are people who still believe the world, the world is flat. The evidence would point in a completely different direction. Before we even get into the words of the Heilige Chayvah's Halavavos, let's see, is it true, how many people actually are consuming what they work, how many people are actually sustained and are nourished by the toil that they put into earning a livelihood. You know many people who work very hard, they earn money, they take the money, they invest it in the stock market, they lose their money. So what happened? So who were they working for? They were working for all those people whose stocks they bought. If somebody works and he earns many millions of dollars, only so much a person can eat, there's only so many tons of chicken and so many thousands of gallons of soda one can consume in a lifetime. So all that was left over afterwards was work that wasn't for him. He didn't earn to sustain himself. My Baba Le'ashalem owned an apartment, a small apartment in Miami. They would go in the winter. During the summer months they would rent it out. They rented it out to a couple. And every month they would have to pay the rent. And the rent was always late. They were always late by a week or two. It was very annoying. And suddenly there was a turnaround and every Chodesh monthly the rent came in exactly on the day it was meant to come. And she was, next time she met the people, she says, what happened? Why did you suddenly start paying on time? Said, well, I'll tell you an interesting story. Because upstairs in the apartment there lived an elderly woman. She was alone. And she had lived there for many years. And all the years that she was there, my grandparents were very makar of her. She didn't have any mishpacha. She always ate with them. They always looked after her. When these people came in to take over the apartment, so this woman naturally came down to the apartment where she was used to going. She introduced herself, said, I always come here. When, oh, it's just fine. They were very nice people. They took her in. They were also makar of her. This went on for a couple of weeks. Then she had a brother who was also alone, who lived somewhere in Minnesota. And he came to live with his sister, to spend his remaining years together with his sister living in this apartment. I think I should point out, just for the record, that that's really not always gal Laloch, a brother and sister should not live together in one apartment with Derek Kvies, but Al Kalponen. That's what they did. And they, um, and the people who were staying in the apartment were Makar of them. Then the sister passed away. And a few weeks later, her brother died. And they left the Yerusha, they left the Tzavah, that the apartment plus $700,000 that this man had put in savings should go to the people who were so nice to them who were living in this apartment. So now you know why we can pay the rent so well every month on the dot. Now just think, this fellow lived in Minnesota, you know the cold winters in Minnesota? Imagine every morning getting up and going to work, fighting the elements, dealing with his difficult employer, and putting away a little bit of savings and fighting for a raise and hoping it's going to get better and working for 50, 60 years. And every day he was working to put away money for this yid who's going to come and sit in his apartment. And he worked for him all his life. 
A yid I know told me a story that he was working on a deal for over two years. It was a deal that involved two million dollars. And at the end of two years of effort, the whole deal fell, fell through. He said he went into his car and he sat down and he burst into tears. He said, I, you know why I burst into tears? I, I believe, I have enough betachim to know that it wasn't Bashir. But I was sitting and thinking that every single telephone call, every meeting that I attended, and every letter that I sent over the last two years was all for nothing. I thought I was doing something worthwhile and it was all for nothing. I can't believe that I wasted two years. And the truth is he didn't waste two years because every drop of effort that he did was for a purpose. Whatever the purpose is, we'll see in a moment. But obviously and clearly it wasn't for the purpose of making money. The Goyim tells us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives money to the entire world. And that money, he spreads around. This person works, this person creates a product, and that person buys it from him. The Svasem is taiches, Hazones ha'oilom kuloi betuvoi b'chein b'ches ad'v'rachem. The Bosh Lam is Zones ha'oilom kuloi. He sustains the whole world. For this one, he gives Hatzlacha. For this one, he gives a little chein. For this usher, he gives a little bit of chesed v'rachemim. And so the Rebbeinah Shaloylam's hashpah gets spread out all over the world. Give you an example. I'm a Maggit in Yeshiva. Now, Hanukkah, there are some parents who send a little matona to the Rebbe. They send it a check. Hanukkah gelt. Not everyone does it. Some people do it. My experience has been that whenever I've had a child of a Rebbe, of a Yeshiva Rebbe, that person always would send a check for Hanukkah. A Rebbe would always send to another Rebbe. That's just they understood. They know what it means. Rebbe expects to send this a Hanukkah gelt. Hanukkah always would send now, what happens to that check? So all the rebbeim who also have the same feeling they would like to be Mahana their children's rebbe, so they wait for the check to come in, the Hanukkah girl, and they pass it on to their son's rebbe. Now the next son's rebbe passes it on to the next son's rebbe. Now the same $50 makes the rounds on all the yeshivas in Monsi and goes round and round and round. So I, I decided to be an Eibuchachim. The last three years, when I give my son's rebbe the check, I always give it the last day of Hanukkah. What's the pshat? The Eibish gives everybody his needs. Now a Rebbe, he feels a need on Hanukkah. He wants to help out his son's Rebbe. So he feels such a need. So the Eibish has to provide him. He has to provide him with the $50. Somebody's going to give it to him, so he should be able to give it to him. He doesn't need the money. He's going to pass it on to the next Rebbe. Now if you give it the last day of Hanukkah, that means somebody else has to join the pool. Because this Rebbe doesn't have money. He has a need. And he wants to pass it on to the next one. So the Eibishter will have to bring somebody else into the picture so maybe we can beat the system with this cheshbon. But I'll call upon him. It's the Rabbeinu Shaloylam's kesef being spread all around. So why do we really work? Imagine somebody's a multi-billionaire. And one day you see his son is out delivering newspapers. Now you're thinking there are many different reasons why he could be delivering newspapers. But it's certainly not for the money. Well, you know he's Bashalom with his father. Maybe his father wants him to do it for some reasons. Maybe he's training it. There's something going on. But it's not to earn money. Now we have a father who's a multi-multi-billionaire who has all the money in the world. The same father who gave us eyes that you couldn't purchase for all the money in the world. The same father who gave us chayim, who gave us life, 
And when a person needs life and a person is struggling for his last breath, all the money in the world couldn't buy that. That's the most expensive item in the world and he has it in abundance and he gives it to us. Certainly could have given us our needs and certainly if our purpose on this world is to serve the Rabbeinu Shalom and to grow in Torah and Avodah, the Rabbeinu Shalom could easily and easily sustain us through other means rather through this, this toil and amal of struggling for Panosim. So the Chaydas HaLavavos tells us completely different reason, v'hatamim, the reason that the Rabbeinu Shalom put upon us this difficulty that one has to struggle to earn his Panosim, there are two reasons. The first reason is because the Rabbeinu Shalom wants to test us. There are many different misyonis that encompass practically all of the midas of a boss of a dom that come his way when he is out in the field earning his panos. Misyonis in betochen, misyonis in elachkeit, misyonis in midas. The purpose that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put him into this setting is just for him to be able to be oimed in these difficult misyonis and through that to earn oilam habo. That's the first reason. The second reason the Chayvah Salavavas tells us, because if a person wouldn't be busy going out trying to earn panasa, most of us would be using our time for other things with Taiganish. A person would become a Yoshev bottle, and when one is a Yoshev bottle, he's not busy, it brings to terrible things, it brings to Chet, Batolas, Mevili, Dei, Shimum. So for these two reasons, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us this system that a person should have to go out into the marketplace in order to bring hachnasad, in order to bring teref lebeisot. That means we have to completely reassess where we are every day from 9 o'clock. Or some people it's earlier than 9 o'clock. We think we go to business to earn money. And then of course we have to be erlach. We have to make Yiddishem Shemayim. We have to treat people right. It's exactly the opposite. That's not our shlichus. We're going to work, we're getting on the train, we're getting on the bus, not to steal. We're getting on the bus to make a Kiddush Hashem. We're getting on the bus in order to be Mahana others, in order to watch our middas, in order to be careful what we do. That is the shlichus that we're there for. The Rabbeinu Shalom sends the Parnasa. The reason that we are there, and we have to remind ourselves again and again, I am a shliach. This is what I'm here for. And not to get sidetracked and to forget what the purpose of our toil is. Let's take a little bit of a deeper look at this. We know that all of the world, since the chet of Adam Arishan, Adam Arishan's sin, the original sin of eating from the Eitz Adas, and he was banished from Ganeiden, and from that day onward, until Mashiach comes, our lives are devoted to rectifying, to being misakin, the chet of the Eitz Hadas. The chet of the Eitz Hadas brought with it two punishments. One was the punishment of Misa, brought death to the world. And one was the punishment of Bezeas Apecho Toichalechem, by the sweat of your face or of your nose. Only through that, as Rashi says, through Tircha, through much Tircha, Will you be able to partake of your meal? Will you be able to partake of your lechem? And the Mesilus Yesharim in Perik Chof Aleph, he writes, Kol Mezoinoi quotes the Gemara, Kol Mezoinoi Sav Shal Odom Kitzuvim Loi Merosh Hashon Ad Yom HaKippurim. 
Every single penny, nickel and dime a person is meant to earn has been pre-ordained before from Rosh Hashanah, the Yom HaKippurim. And ein odom negea b'momen hamuchin l'chavere afilu kimeloi niba. One cannot touch and no one else can take away from you something that is destined for you, even a hair's breadth. And he writes in truth, a person could sit and do nothing, and the gezer of the Rebbeinu would be miskayemes. Except there was a knas, there was a punishment of bezeas And because of that, a person has to be mishtadel a certain amount of mishtadlus in order to get his panosa. This is like a mass, like a tax that one has to pay in order to get what's already set aside for him. We're going in to pick up our paychecks. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, we're all on welfare. The Rebbe supporting us all. In order to get it, there's a tax we have to pay. That tax is Bezeas Apecho Toichalechem. But do not think right to Mesilus Yesharim. Shehai Shtadlis Hu Hamoyel, that the work that we put in is what's bringing us the gain. Hashtadlis Mukhrach, it's something that we must do. But once one was Mishtadl, Hareyotza Yidei Choyvos, he has prepared a place for the brach of the and he doesn't have to spend all his days with all sorts of and charitas and sharfkeit and hishtadlus in order to bring what's already set aside and what's ready in the computer this is what you're going to make today what you're going to make this week this is what you're going to make this month but a person thinks that he's helping the Rabbi Nishalim. And we don't realize it because the world is set up in such a way that everything looks different than it really is. I just heard a story about a fellow who pulls into the airport and he has to catch a flight that's leaving just now and he can't find a parking space and he's going around and around and there's not a single empty spot. And suddenly he says, Rabbi Nishalim, please, I have to catch this plane. Please help me find a parking space. And just then a car pulls out of the space and the place is open. He says, oh, thank you, Rabbi Nishalim, for your titles, but I managed on my own. That's how the world appears to us. And that's how we live our lives. But if we were to be misboining in the chet of the Eitz Hadas, we would find that it's very revealing. And it tells us a lot about ourselves. What was the sin of the chet of the Eitz? What did they do wrong? The Svarim Akdoshim explained the Maralas and Arichas in Nesiv Esoylam, in Nesiv HaTmimus. There is a midah of Tomim Tia Im Hashem Of being a Tomim, of relying on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Rabbeinu Shalom told us, you're in Ganeiden, La'ovda Olashomra, you have everything that you need, you are already in paradise. The Nochosh came with his pituyim, and he said to them, no, V'yisem keloikim yoidei toivero. You're still missing something. You can still become like the Rabbeinu Shalom to be a yoidei toivero. You don't yet know the das to be mavdu between toiv and ra. So the Chet was a Chesorin in Tmimus. They were meant to be Tmimim, to subject themselves to the Rabbeinu Shalom completely, and instead they wanted to take matters into their own hand. Adam Arishan wanted to be Keloikim, Yoide Toivara. What does it mean to be a Tomim? Tomim means to be whole, to be complete. It means I have everything. 
It's the greatest madreg. The Maral says that's why in the Pasuk of Tomim, Tiyam Hashem the letter Tov of Tomim is in a large letter. It's an Oiz Godel to show that you've reached the Soif HaMadrega. You encompass everything from Aleph until Tov. One already has everything. One is complete. And in Tamimus there's a level of eternity, of Nitzchiyas, of living forever. The Pasuk says, Vani betumi tomachto bi vapatsiveni what did the Nochosh? What was the message of the Nochosh? You're not yet Tomim. You're incomplete. You're lacking something. There's something still more that you can have. You think you're in Ganeden, but here there's a pair here. There's something that can bring you something beyond yourself, and you need that. And the Svarim Abdashim tell us that's Trump the Gemara says that Homon min ha-toyre minayim. The Gemara Megillah says, where is there a remez for Homon in the toyre? Hamin ho-eitz. In the word Hamin ho-eitz, referring to the eight sadas, the letters Hamin are the same letters as Homon. And the Svarim Abdashim are Mazbir. Homon had everything. And he said, V'chol ze'einenu shoiveli. I'm not whole, I'm missing because doesn't want to bow down to me. And here they were sitting in Ganeid and being mizun, being nourished by the himself. And yet they felt they were lacking. I need something to fulfill. I'm not yet tam. I'm not yet complete. And so the Oynish, the first Oynish of a lack of tmimis was miso. Mace is the opposite letters of the word tam. Tam is tough mem, and mace is mem sof. You wanted to be keloikim. You wanted immortality. The answer is miso. The greatest lack, the greatest chesor, and our very mortality, that we cannot live forever, that we are mesim, that we're not tomim. That was the result of the chet of the eight sadaf, the opposite of tmimus. And so was the other lechem, That we became needy. We became incomplete. That we have to struggle to sustain ourselves, to nourish ourselves. The Gemara calls the search for panosa menichin chayei oilam v'oiskin b'chayei shoh. Temporary life. The Heiliger Abtzodik is mazber. Why is it called chayei shoh? The Rabbeinu Shalom gives us Shefa through three different channels of Bona, Chaya, Umezoinev. Bona and Chaya are complete. One has children, that's a complete Matona. One has Chaya, for the years that he's here, it's a complete Matona. Mezoinev, the nature of Mozoin is that when we eat, we become hungry again. Each time we satisfy ourselves, it's Chaye Shoh. It's temporary like, it's always lacking. And that's why this intrinsic in the Bria, this nature, this character that Chazal tell us, that Misha Yesh Loimone Reutze Mosayim. One is never satisfied. One earns a million dollars, he wants two million dollars. One earns a billion dollars, he just reads about somebody else has 20 billion dollars. And he's always feeling lacking. That was, that is the result of the lack of Tmimus in the Chet of the Eight Sadas. But let's be misbein and what happened? Something spectacular happened over here. What did Adam want? What was he striving for? He wanted immortality. He wanted V'yisim Keloikim. But he already was immortal. 
Had he not eaten from the eight Sadas, he would have been Chayloilam, he would have lived forever. He would have been Kaloikin. Nasodam bit Salmainu bit Selam Elikin, that he had the ability to be a Yoytzer and to be a Boyer and to create worlds and be part of the Rabbinah Shaloilam. Because he negated that. He didn't, say, he didn't realize that he already had everything. As Yankel Avinu said, Yeshli Koil. Esav said, Yeshli Ro. I have a lot, but I haven't got it all. Yankel said, Yeshli Koil. Because he didn't accept that he had everything. He's in Ghanaian and he's already immortal. And he wanted to take matters into his own hands. He's destined to be a choser. And to struggle. And to be faced with the mortality of Misa. Betochoim is the Mida of Tmimus. That means that somebody realizes I'm not lacking anything. I have whatever I need, and if I don't have it, it means I don't need it. That's the level of Adam Arishan Koidem Achet. As the Chavetz Chaim once asked somebody, and the fellow said, things could be better. And the Chavetz Chaim said, if they could be better, they would be better. The realization, that's the mitzvah. When I'm in Hashem to understand that I am already Tomim. That is the madreg of the boy Teach Bashem. He realized I'm not lacking. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is seeing to all my needs and these must be my needs. <coughs> Yet, as the Altaf and Kelam explains, brings it Barichis. The essence of this test, which is the test of our life, the Chavaz says we go to work to be oinin b'nesoyim. The test is such a dichotomy, it, put, it pits against one another such two opposite true, uh, truth and sheker. A person lives b'derech nes. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sustains every single one of us. Yet, in the appearance of the world, it's so obvious and it seems so clear to us that what we get is a result of our effort. We see it day by day. What do you mean? I'm going to work and I get a paycheck. I invest over here and I make money. So every single fiber of our being is screaming out, And the truth is it's all nice and decent. And our pu'ulois have no effect. As the Chaybaz Olavavus writes, there's nothing in the world that can change the Gezeira. If a person thinks by being mishtadl more, then he has to, he's going to have more, it's just not true. And nothing in the world can stop the Gezeira that was nigs of him to have, because it's all already there from before. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu put us in a situation, all of our lives, a comprehensive test, like laboratory conditions, to test us in the chet of the eight Hadas. Are we going to realize we are complete? Or are we going to succumb to the pituye hanochosh? Who tells us, How often do we say when someone's matzliach, oh, he's such a smart guy, what a clever guy. And we look at someone who's not matzliach, he's a batlin, a toignish. 
Tapikursus. What do brains or talent have to do with success? The Heilig Ibn Ezra was certainly the greatest minds who ever walked this planet. Wrote a piet about his Parnassa. And he wrote in his poem, he said, If I were to manufacture candles, the sun would shine forever. And if I would go into the shroud business, no one would ever die. Sometimes, HaKadosh Baruch will give a person a certain ambition or a certain skill and a certain talent so that he should be able to earn a particular panosin. So it's sometimes, yeah, it appears this guy is very ambitious, he's a big hostel and he tries very hard and he makes. That itself was given by the Rabbi Shalom. The Rabbi Shalom gave this person this type of nature and this person the other type of nature. We say, oh, look at him, he's ambitious and he's not ambitious. The Gemara tells us in the Sechti Yuma, there are the sounds, the koil hamoina shel roimi, the sounds of the multitudes, of the hordes of Rome. And they drown out the sound of the galgal chama, the light of the sun. And the Gemara tells us that the sun soars through the atmosphere. And when there's a beam of sunlight, you see the dust particles floating through the sunlight. That's like the sawdust of the saw cutting through the chumrius of the world. And if a person were to acknowledge and were to see the light of the sun, he would be able to see all the dust that's in the atmosphere, all the nonsense. But what drowns out the koil galgal chamo? The koil hamoino shel What's the koil hamoino shel That is bombarding us all the time. You walk into a store and you want to buy, you don't know if to buy this type of coffee or that coffee. This one has a red glossy wrapping around it with some gold the trimming. I'm going to buy that one. Why? That's the koil hamoino shel That's the sound that's trying to convince us. Do this. Follow us here. This is what everybody is doing. This is the right way. What is the message of the entire world of advertising? What is the message? You know what they're trying to tell us? They're trying to tell us again and again, you are chaser. You are missing something. The laptop that you have that has 10,000 chinkabytes per megaflop is a new one that has 11,000 chinkabytes. And you haven't got it yet, so you're missing something. This car with the power, I don't know what. You see this picture? You haven't got it. This vacation, you haven't got it. You're lacking something. There's a chesorin in your life. That is the nochosh. The yisam kelakim. You're not yet invincible. There's still more that you can have. You're not yet tomim. And that's why we have a need to win. Kaibas hanetzachim. That's why we have kinner. That's why we're jealous of others. As the Heilige Mesilis Yisharim writes, Hakina doesn't help a person at all. He's just looking at the other person and sees the other person has something and he's upset, why don't I have it? 
But lu yadu v'lu yavinu. If a person would know and understand, ki ein adam noigeya b'amuchan lechaveira yafilu kimloi nima. I can't touch what the other one has. V'hakoil kashel hakoil meyes Hashem u'kifiat sosay aniflo v'chokmosay habilti noidas. There would be no reason to be mitzta'er v'toyvas re'ayem klal. He writes quite openly how some of us have tzav b'toyvas re'ayem. There's a little button in our head. It makes no sense. It cannot be explained. It doesn't gain the person anything. It's a totally irrational feeling. But it's a chesor and the Archas Tzadikim writes, There's no one who's safe from that. In Ganeiden, before the Chet of Eid Sadas, there was no kinah. So a person was b'shleimus, lo'osid lovoy. What's going to be the simcha of Mashiach, zokti mesilis yishoret? In order for us to be able to enjoy the toiv of Yemaisa Mashiach, the Kaddish Baruch will take out of our hearts the mida of kinah. The And that is the sholem and the shalva that Malachi Asharis have. Because they are tmimim, they realize they're not missing anything. So we're being told all the time that we are lacking, that we are incomplete. For those of us who wash, many wash three times a day, we bench. What do we say? Benching the Hamurdic school of Panosa. What do we say? Betochen means understanding that I am already complete. One who recognizes this frees himself as the Mesilus Yesharim writes, Chemdes HaMomoin, He HaOiseres, Oisoi B'masar Oilam, it imprisons a person in an eternal prison, Vinoisenes avoisois he omol vo esek alzrei oisov puts the heavy thick ropes of toil and work on his hands, as it says, Oyev kesef lo yizba kesef. How many tfilas are lost? How much learning is lost? How many mitzvahs are lost? Mipnei roiv ho esek yegias hamoyim b'schayre, because people give their lives away for his shtadlis that's above the call of what's needed. And that makes no difference whatsoever in their lives. A person thinks he's lacking. But the Baiteach Bashem knows that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking after him. And we can look at many, many people. People will tell you they had kufas in their lives at the Panosa when Moiridik Moiridik Shver was difficult. And to this day they don't understand how they sustained their families during those periods. And yet they did. That was the Rabbi Nishaloylam. I know a Yid 
had to marry off a child. He needed a large sum, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. And after he married off his child during Sheva Brachas, somebody saw him after davening, and he saw him saying the Hamon, different schools for Panosa. And this Yid works very, very hard. And he says to him, look, these things, look how hard you work. Do you see it helping you in Panasa? So the fellow takes out a little plastic bag with some coins in it. He said, a few months ago, my child had to get married. This is all I have to my name. Today, Pastor Hasana, and this is still all I have to my name. And I don't owe anybody a penny. The Rabbi Shalom when a person needs, the Rabbeinu Shalom is there for him. We're not chaseidim. Va'al yachser lonu mozoin lo'olam vo'ed. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is machtiach. Poiseach es yodecho masbi lo'cholchai rotzah. If we recognize this, we would realize the falsehood, the sheker of the koil ha'moyne shalroimi. People are telling us about the American dream. You can make it. You can be a millionaire. You can be a zillionaire. You can whatever you want. Set your heart to it. Set your mind to it. And you can be it. It drives people nuts. There's no such thing. person could only be what was nigzer on him before he was put onto this world. The Rebbe Salavas writes in Sharab Chine, the Rebbe Yishlam did a chesed with the world that he created that only a miyat, only a minority of the world can be ashirin. If everybody would be Ashirim, he said there would be no world, there would be no need to produce anything, we would all starve. That was the failure of the communist system. When they said everybody will have, so they would have a shoe factory and tell them, order 20,000 shoes, and they would produce 20,000 left shoes, because who would bother to make right and left? There was no purpose, nobody had any gain from it. So it was a chesed of the Rebbeinu Shalom that he made that only a small percentage of the world could be Ashirim. That's the way it has to be. And there's nothing in the world a person can do to change that gazelle. If we realize this, if we understand and we take into our hearts that the Rabbeinu Shalom is in complete control of our lives, and that the purpose that we're going every day to work is just to be Oymid bin things would become so much clearer. And they would even become, they, they wouldn't even be Nisiyonis. person has an assignment to be Rahman al-Islam dishonest in business. That's a chesorn in betochen. It's a lack of tmimis. The Chavetz Chaim brings the medrash, the Yalkut, it says when Noyach went into the table, every Bria came in with a pear. And Geneva, Sheker, wanted to enter the table. And Noyach said, you haven't got a pear, you have to pair up with someone else. So I'm going to go out and look for a shidduch. So Geneva found Pchas. Pchas means loss, hefsit. And he says, will you join me to go into the table? He says, well, okay, well, what will be the deal? So Geneva said, I'll tell you what. It's a medrash. Whatever I gain, I'll give to you. And you'll be able to take it and destroy it. It's fine, they made the deal. No, Geneva and Pchas went into the table. When they came out, whatever Geneva would earn, Pchas would take it and be machala it. He said, what's going on? He says to his wife, whatever, whatever I earn, you go and you spend it. So that was the deal that we made. Whatever you're going to earn, I'm going to take away. <laughs> a person tries to take what's not his. What does he think? He's going to take the eight sadas and become immortal. Fakir, he's going to bring upon himself Misa, becomes a bigger chos than he ever was. It can, he can never keep it. He can never hold on to it. He can never be Nehemiah from it. So I once said, Rav Don Segal said, 
Because what do you mean? It says people know, everybody knows the Medish, yet people are still dishonest. Because they say, yeah, it's true, whatever I take, I'll lose eventually. But right now I took it. And then this is one din, this is one din, this is one din to take it, and one din to lose it. So have that no It's the greatest exercise in futility that there is. If we would realize that we're going to business just to be honest, for no other reason, the Panoth the Rebbeinishlelem sends. The Chavetz Chaim, when it was time to leave, he wanted to move to Eretz Yisrael. So you do a Chavetz Chaim had a plan to move to Eretz Yisrael. So before he left, he announced Chavetz Chaim owned the store. And the Gemara says, in the store it's come out, that there could be sometimes discrepancies. And he said, I'm very frightened that maybe there was Gezel Harabim over the years. So as I Chazal say that someone who was over, he was Gezel Harabim, he should do things for the public welfare. So I have my well that belongs to me, and I'm giving my well for the townspeople. Anybody could take water whenever they want in order to be misakin in case I took from somebody something that wasn't mine. That was his worry. His wife ran the business. He used to come in, you know, he used to come in, not to check the books, he used to come in to check the weights. He was terrified, he was worried. There was once a frost and all the wells in the town froze over except the Chafetz Chaim. He was so excited. Let all the Nixalim, all those who I've stolen from, let them come and take water. The Heilige Chafetz Chaim. There was a terror involved in making, <laughs> in Karnasa. There was one fear. There wasn't a fear I won't be Matzliach. There was a fear maybe I'll do something Shaloi Kiddin. That was the fear, that, that was the Yigir that there was. So if one of the tzaddikim, one of the great celebrities, he saw one of his shamashim had torn shoes. He knew he was too poor to afford a new pair of shoes. So he got together some money to buy a fellow a new pair of shoes and he left it on the table. And when he went out, the shamash saw the money there and he pocketed it. He thought the Rebbe would never notice. When he came out, he saw what he did. He said, Narain, had you waited a little bit, you would have had the shoes. Now you don't have this will, you don't have that will. The shoes you're not going to have. And, and, and I don't have them on us. You lost everything. He did such a stupid thing. Rameh Premishlana, Ayid once came to him and he asked him, What is Parnasa? He says he's a smuggler. He's a smuggler? Breaking the law? How could you have such a Parnasa? He says, Rebbe, what can I do? He says, He's not telling the Rebbe to give the person Parnasa. You don't have to do anything illegal to make you Parnasa. He says, Rebbe, you're right. But you know what? I already brought the Schoyer. I can't, I can't give it back now. I'm going to just do this last bit, and starting tomorrow, Rebbe Hashem, I'm going to go back to an honest livelihood. So the Rebbe Hashem told the Moshe that there was a person who wanted to be Megayim. He decided he saw the truth of Yiddishkeit, and he wanted Megayim, he wants to become a Yid. And he came, and he learned all about Torah Mitzvahs, he learned all the halachas, and he came to the bed, and he says, oh yeah, yeah, just one minute, I realize I still have at home, I have a whole side of Dover Acher, a whole side of Chazir sitting in the fridge, let me just go quickly eat it, before I'm still a guy, before I become a yeet. What, what, what do you mean you're going to grab? What are you going to take? You're going to take something that cannot stay by you. But it's not just dishonesty. It's anything that's Shaloi Kedin. The Chavetz Chaim once came to a town. He was selling his svar and people didn't know who he was. And he arrived out of Shabbos and he had a large sum of money. And he came out of Shabbos and I would have put it so he gave it as a pecodon for safekeeping by the Rav of the town. Came after Shabbos. The Rav was thinking this bottling. The guy, he left this money. He's not even coming back to get it. Well, what's with this fellow? So I'm going to teach him a lesson. I'm going to wait and see. 
see the fellow, the Chafetz Chaim, is ordering a carriage, and he's setting off to leave town, and, and uh, he's, he's hiring the Balagola, well, he runs after him, he says, excuse me, he said, you know that you left this money here by me? He says, yeah, I know. He says, so why don't you ask for it back? He says, well, there's a halacha that says that one is not allowed to be mafkid money by somebody else without Adam. And I didn't have time to get Adam, so as soon as I gave it to you, I was mafkid the money. I declared it hefkid. <coughs> it's not mine, you can keep it. <laughs> what? I never, I, 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 there's a nidnid of iser. And he wouldn't take it back till finally the, the horses started going. He ran after him, threw the money into the carriage, said, I'm after it back, I'm after it back, you can have it. It doesn't make a difference. These pu'ulas, people go to Dine and they chesh benahir, and they chesh benahir, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that, what does he want? There has to be one pachad. That Khalila I'll say something that's not so. Maybe Chas V'Shoah may get something that's not coming to me. And then I'll spend the rest of my life with money that's not mine sitting in my pocket. The Heilige Agni, the Pirke, the Bnei Yisoschi writes, Adova Nifle. Adova Teima, he says, it's something that's difficult to understand. We see many times children when they're young. They go to yeshiva and they must meet and they learn properly and they daven and they answer many heishmerab and they do everything right and they grow older and suddenly they develop midos geruos and then mavato teiro tefilo. How does such a thing happen? So what happens to the teiro they learned when they were young? It's hevel she'ain boichet zog the heilige bnei because their parents gave them to eat momoin of gezel things that they earned dishonestly. Not be'emuna, and they were nispatein be'isa, they were nourished through things that were aser, and this turned into part of their very essence, and it turned into taibas, and the shlech midas, and it brings rayas from the Gemara. Might one think, he says, Oibazai, a person could say, what do you want from me? It's not my fault. I ate, who knows what I ate, and therefore I don't have the koiches to withstand the Yitzhahara. Zog de Bnei there's an Eitzah. The Tikkun is to be Mechazik oneself in Amun and And here we understand. Because this is Taka the Tikkun for that. Why does someone take? Because he's not Tomim Hashem Aleikecho. He doesn't believe that he has what he needs. Bringing into ourselves Betochen Be'amun and HaKadosh Baruch That I'm not Chosr. That I'm already Tomim, that can rectify the Chesorin that went into the person even through Dvarim or Asurim. This doesn't mean to say Cholilo. But anytime you see such an incident, we automatically have to assume this is the reason. There are many reasons such things could happen, but this is one of the reasons. Another thing that Amunah Betachem, at work, understanding what we are working for, is how we look at our competitors. How we look at the competition. How many people walk around with so much resentment. This one's being the kapeach, my parnosi is taking away from me. There's a story of one of the Gidroisit Talmidim of Chazanish who owned a printing press in Bnei Barak. And somebody opened up a shop near him. No, so he went to check his Shulchan Aruch, he was looking at all the halachas of Asagis Gvul, is he allowed to, is he not allowed to, and then suddenly he realizes, the is not going to take anything away from what's Muslim to me. So he called him over, and he said, look, you're new in the business, let me give you some advice, here's where you can buy this merchandise, and here's where you can get these supplies, and come, I want to show you 
um, who's interested in what goes good today and how to advertise, and he was helping him, helping him. The fellow was misspoiled. That night he came home and he took out his Rebbe Sefer, the Chazanish, on Amunu Betoch, and he was hoving a line to learn exactly the parish and to understand it properly. And he was in a Moyedik Simcha. And his children came over to him and says, Why are you so besimcha that this fellow just came? He says, No, no, no. So I'm Moyedik besimcha. Because till now I had to work so hard. Now half the customers will go to him. He'll have the headaches. The Panos is going to remain the same. I'm not going to lose anything at half the work. Yvaldik. The Chazanish once saw Tumul Chutonim after they did a Shidduch arguing and fighting about who's going to pay for what. <laughs> Typical Machloikis. He says, you know what they're fighting about? He says, this one's saying the Abish should give you the bracha and this one's saying the Abish should give you the bracha. Well, if it becomes a need, a legitimate need, the Rabbi Shalom says, so good, so you're going to go to Abish Medich Benchen. The mayor from Mishlana was Medamit. He said, a horse goes to drink a horse goes to drink from the, from the water in the lake and he drinks and he sees his reflections another horse drinks he starts stamping and get angrier and angry and angry he's tossing himself back when he sees the other horse is angry and angry he's fighting him he's angry he puts his mouth and the other horse is there with his mouth he can't get rid of him he says the Rebbe has enough water to give all the horses in the world think you're the only horse in the world but that's the Pitu Yahanochosh and this is just Mises for Grace mentioned I know I eat here in Monsi. Somebody told me that he opened an office in a certain profession in a city upstate. Really, how are you doing? How are you managing? He said, There's a yeet. I happen to know I, I always took him for a posh to eat. I see him all the time. He says, Yeah, he's got the same business in the same city, and he helped me so much. He gave me so much advice. He introduced me to all the connections. Even Balamadrega, even who aren't the spoil of the Pitri Hanochosh. Another thing that this betochen and this understanding of what we're doing at the workplace every day will teach us how to value our time and what to do with our time. many <laughs> That lechem also means Torah. Nochamta shol Torah. Lechem is begimat. Passes begimatria Talmud. Bezeas apecha toicha lechem. At the same time that there was a gezeira, that in order to get parnosa, one has to toil, one has to go through tircha. Also was given at the same time that we have to be miyagea. We have to toil with Torah. Without the chet of the eight sabdas, we would have absorbed Torah without the work. And the Gezeira of Tirch is, you want to put the Tirch into Torah, that will come off the Cheshben of the Tirch in other things. And the Chaybis of Abbas writes it clearly. Chaybis says, since the purpose of work is just these two Nisiyonis, a person shouldn't be a Batlan, and a person should be Ayyub Nisiyonis. If one can do it otherwise, if one is Oisik Batorah, if one is Eloch without this, if one uses his time properly, he will not need to have the Ishtadlis Ternis Panosah. Ah, he says, we see it sometimes it's different. That's the question of Tzadik Verala, which is a whole discussion, the whole pagan Chavis Olavavis. But in reality, in the world of Emes, that person is living in the world of Adam Arishan Kaidem So people think, I haven't got enough time to learn, I haven't got enough time for Avoid Hashem, I haven't got enough time for my children because, because I have to, I have to. That's not true. And more than that, 
writes in the Tefillah of Rabbi Chunya ben Akoni, we say, Onu mashkinim vehem mashkinim, onu amelim vehem amelim, onu amelim makablim schar, vehem amelim vehem makablim schar. He says, when a person takes from the time that he has, he doesn't have to give to Panos. Onu mashkinim, let's say he gets up early or he stays up late to learn Torah. Then onu amelim makablim schar, even the schar, even the omo that he puts in for his panos will also get schar for that. That becomes avoidus Hashem. There was a Yid who came to the Chafetz Chaim who was very, very busy with his friend. The Chafetz Chaim said, what's with time for learning? Because when do you manage? I'm so busy there, but I don't have to say, it's unbelievable. So the Chafetz Chaim told him, he says, a marshal, two people come up to Shemayim. One's a Talmud Chacham who spent all his life learning. The one's one who never found time to learn. So the first one says, uh, they asked the Bezna Shamala, says, Lu, tell me you say there. So I woke up in the morning, I said, then I had a coffee, then I went to Davin, then I had a Seder, and I ate breakfast, and then I did it. Okay, so much for so much for the coffee, so much for the Davin, so much for the breakfast, so much for the Pano. So the next fellow is waiting online, he says, unbelievable, look, I didn't learn, but I sure drank plenty of coffee. And I sure ate a lot of food, and they're paying you for this over here. So he says, look, oh, I had so many coffee breaks a day, and so much food, and so many things I had, all these things were... So we don't pay for that. He says, what do you mean? Where's the Yosha? That guy you pay me, you don't pay. So he answered him with a marshal. says, there was a fellow who used to bring grain to the king, sacks of grain, and they would weigh the grain. He says, hey, you know, there's not... The other fellow's watching, he says, some of that is chaff, there's straw in there. He says, yeah, but they just weigh the whole thing together. Really, they pay for straw, so I'm going home and he gets all the straw to get all the chaff. He brings it to the king, says, Pay me for the chaff. I'm not interested in chaff. If you bring the two, I'll pay you for the chaff too. I know a yid here in Monsi who was so, so busy. He was a tkufa, he was going difficult with Parnassa. And he used to come to a shir early in the morning. And his rabbi asked him, why don't you come to the shinim? He said, I'm just so busy, I'm working on my books, I just don't have a second. He says, can't, your told me, it cannot be that from learning you're going to lose from your panos. He says, can I sign? He says, no. He says, you know what, you're right, I'm going to come. The next day he came. And his panos, he was, uh, he would rent out chairs. And that day at the shir came somebody who he was at that time, he was organizing the convention of Agudis Yisrael, was just moving to a new place where they didn't supply chairs. And they had to have chairs brought in from outside. And so these two met at the shir and came together. He gave them an order that was bigger than he had for the last three months of struggling to try to find customers. Dorchaim HaKadosh writes in Parshas Hazinu, Im ein kemach ein teire, ein HaKadosh Baruch Hu shoyel mei odom lul moi teire at shemeichen moi parnasosin. The Rebbein Shalom doesn't ask us to learn teire unless he prepares parnasa for us. In Ein Kemach, if there's no Parnos, it's a sim in Ein Torah. There's not enough learning. It's like Taj the Heligar Chaim HaKadosh. Not to become pressured by the Lachatz. Moedike Medish, we all know, we talk about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, is a Medish, but it's Halachatz. The Medish tells terrible stories that went on in Mitzrayim that the Egyptian overseer would be whipping the Yiddish workers and the mother would be forced to finish a wall or a pyramid, whatever they were building there, and there wasn't enough cement to finish, and they would tell them, you have to, you have to finish it, and they would take the children, and they would build the children into the walls. Evan Mikir Tizak, the Medrash tells us. There's a kasha. 
we have a klal, if someone tells you that kill this person or else I'll kill you, you have to let yourself be killed. My blood isn't redder than his. How can you tell a mother, if you don't build your child into the wall, I'm going to kill you. So why would the mother agree to it? I'll pidin you, let yourself be killed. I once heard a pshat, difficult pshat even to hear. The Medrash says it on Eshalachatz, not on Vayimoru Eschayeim. But it should be Vayimoru Eschayim. They made their lives bitter to kill children. Eshalachatz. They didn't force them to build the children into the walls. They put such an unbelievable pressure that you have to finish that wall. And the pressure became, brought them to such insanity that on their own free will from the lachas they went and took the children and built them into the walls. But this insanity happens all the time. Once on Tishabov, I was in the mountains. Tishibov is a minig, Shukhanor says to go to Beisakforis. We found the old Yiddish Beisakforis somewhere up in the mountains. And I went with a chava, and suddenly a limousine pulls up. Beautiful limousine. An elderly couple get out, and they go to a gravestone. And I recognized the name, I couldn't place it. It was a name in the gravestone, it was a very familiar name. They drove down from Florida. This is his father is buried here. Very, very wealthy people. The name was one of the most famous chain stores in America. This was the, the Zayda who started with the pushcart, and he was the one who, uh, who got the whole thing started. And the fellow asked me, he knew nothing. He says, what, what are you doing here? So I said, oh, today's Tishabov. Oh, is that right? Right, today's the first day of Tishabov, I remember. Anyway, so he didn't, he didn't know you need a minion. He just wanted to say Kaddish. He told me to. It turns out that this fellow... Buried here doesn't have a single Yiddish Enikah. By the third or fourth generations, all the Enikah were gone. Nebuch, nebuch. I'm thinking when I drive past these stores and I see the name of those magnificent buildings, how many children are built into the walls of those buildings? How many generations were poured into the cement because of this lachatz? And how many of our children, their chinuch and the time and the attention they need from us are built into the walls of our beautiful homes or beautiful cars? It's not worth it. We let ourselves be controlled by our lachats, by a koil hamoyna shalroimi that bombards us again and again. We need this, we need that. We're chaserim. And we forget what's important. And then later, Nebuch, we hear the koilus of Evan Mikir Tizak. So we have to remember and remind ourselves again and again, not be sidetracked. What is my shlichus? What am I doing here? I'm here to pay a tax. There was a klolo, a klolo, a curse that says I can't get to what's muchan to me until I pay. You know, the government puts a tariff on goods. Until I pay this tariff, and then the Rebbeinu gives what's coming to me, and no one can take it away from me, no one can add, and no one can detract. 
And if we have that midah of Tomim Tia in Hashem we will propel ourselves into a world of mitzvahs, a world that's above Chesaron, a world that's above Misa, a world of Yemoy Samashiach.